Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So I have a question for you today. Um, I want to know what kind of school you went to as a kid. Oh, well, I basically my entire childhood with a small exception, I just went to public school. Okay, so I did too. I went to public school, but when I was a teacher, and we've talked a little bit about this before, I actually taught at a private school, so a little bit different from public school, and then I believe your children are homeschooled, right? That's right. Yeah, we homeschool our kids. Before we had kids, I uh, talked to my wife, and I said, I don't think I want to send my kids to public school when uh, they grow up, and so that's a decision we made before we even started having kids. So we brought up just in that small conversation, three different kinds of schooling. And so what I really want to dive into today is, is, is there one right way to be educated or are all the, are there good things about, you know, each of these different kinds? I think that's kind of like saying, is there one type of potato chip that's the best, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> in some, uh, in some cases, I think a lot of people have different preferences. Maybe Brittany, have you ever talked to your parents about why they put you in public school? I think it was just available that it was because uh, as I've gotten older, I've kind of wished that I was homeschooled. <laughs> and, you know, I asked them later on why. And I think it was just the easy thing to do. Public school was there and they were already paying for it through their taxes. Yeah. And I think that's a reason why a lot of people don't choose private school, right? Because then, as you point out, you're having to pay through taxes. Twice. And then you're having to pay again and often a lot of money a lot of times for private schools. Uh, when I talked to my mom about it, when it was really because, again, it was just normal. And when I was growing up, it's just what you did. I didn't know anything different. It's, it's just you go to public school and then you go to college and then you get a job yeah. and <laughs> life moves on. And so I didn't really think anything of it differently till, as I said, uh, we're getting married. And I was thinking about my uh, kids, uh, future kids and what we would do for them. And as we started homeschooling my kids, uh, my mom came up to me one day and apologized for never homeschooling me. Oh. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And she says, it wasn't really ever a thing. Like she didn't really ever entertain the idea. It's not like my parents sat down and like reviewed their options. You know, it's just, it's just what you did. What you it's did. what, yeah. yeah, they didn't, they didn't know any better. They didn't really know anyone that homeschooled. It wasn't really a thing in the, you know, 1980s and and 90s um, in California. I grew up in San Diego. Um, but Brittany, my perception is, and you tell me from your uh, view of things, my perception is that parent, it's very easy for parents right now uh, to see a lot of alternatives, to understand that there's a lot of different choices and options. Is that a view that you share? Yes, especially with what we saw with COVID, right? Because all of a sudden every school was shut down. And so you had to kind of explore new options. So I think you're right. I think everyone is kind of looking to see what the best one is right now. Now, let's maybe think of it from a kid's perspective. Um, a lot of kids like school, not so much for the academic reasons, right? The <laughs> textbooks and the homework and the tests and the projects and everything else. But they really like the social aspect of school, right? They get to be around their friends. Um, and, and, you know, there's, I don't know, dances and football and, you know, whatever. Sass and all those things. Yeah. Right. And so I can I can see how a lot of kids might prefer public school despite all of the academic, you know, annoyances and pressures and so forth, uh, because they get to do it kind of with their friends. And so do you feel like like if you were to go to I mean, as you point out with COVID, all these kids got kind of ripped out of their kind of status quo experience yeah. with public school and sent to something alternative. What I've heard, Brittany, though, is 
and I'm curious if you have a take on this, I've heard from a number of parents because a lot of people know that, you know, we homeschool our kids and I'm very vocal about it. I've written books about it and so forth. So I've had a lot of parents uh, come up to me and especially online send me messages and talk about how their kids have really loved it. Um, by it, I mean doing education outside of public school because they still see their friends. They still, you know, meet up or they're in the neighborhood or whatever. They've still found ways to carry on with their social life and see all their friends and have a good time. But that, you know, rather than like sitting at a desk all day long or rather than having hours of homework or rather than, you know, spending six hours, seven hours at school, they get all their schoolwork done in two and a half hours and then they can have the rest of the day. I've just heard from so many parents who have really uh, seen that public, like uh, an option other than public school has been good for their kids. Yeah. And I think, again, because a lot of families have been in this situation, like the situation where they're home, right? Everybody has to do that, that you'd probably think they would be losing their minds. And I've talked to maybe a few that are really struggling with the homeschool thing, but most kids and most parents I've talked to, like you said, are really enjoying the uh, experience. I saw one picture going around social media where a teacher had asked a little boy to write what he missed the most about school. And his essay was the opposite of that. He basically said, I don't miss school. I'm having a great time learning with my parents. Like, I don't want to go back at all. <laughs> so I think we're going to see, especially in the next month, you know, a couple of months as people go back to school, that people aren't going to want to go back, that they're going to really like this homeschooling. Uh, but one thing I think we didn't really talk about, if we can back up for a minute, is what homeschooling is. So you homeschool your kids. What does that mean? Okay. So um, like with many things, the, there are a lot of different ways to look at it. There are some homeschooling families who will do literally home schooling. They will school at home, right? They will say, you know, half an hour of this subject and then half an hour of this subject. And then we're going to do 15 minutes of this. And then, so it's very regimented. Uh, it's very kind of scheduled. Um, and they, you know, do a lot of very specific curriculum. Um, and so it's kind of like the school experience except you're doing it with your siblings rather than your friends. <laughs> and maybe you don't have to ask permission to go to the bathroom like you do at school. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a very kind of school-like experience. And then on the other end of the spectrum, so that's kind of the more structured uh, side, then you have the very unstructured side, which is often called unschooling. That's my favorite, yeah. Uh, or sometimes, you know, child-led learning and things like that. Self-directed learning, I think I've heard it called. Uh-huh, exactly. So there's a lot more flexibility. You know, kids are learning more what they want to rather than being told to learn specific things. And then, of course, those being two opposite ends of the spectrum, you have a lot of wiggle room in the middle. There's a lot of families who will maybe use curriculum as kind of a guide, right? Or maybe they'll be structured with like English and math, but then nothing else. Um, so there's just a lot of options. And a lot of the states are very, um, uh, the state laws, I should say, are very kind of laid back in terms of homeschooling. In some states, you have to, you know, pass certain tests or the government has to you know, inspect and make sure that you're teaching the right things. But in a lot of states, including our own, uh, we helped get the law changed a few years ago to say homeschoolers don't have to comply with anything. No tests, uh, no inspections, you know, no requirements from the government at all. It's basically total education uh, freedom. And so what I find interesting, Brittany, uh, is uh, I've always really admired uh, a man by the name of John Taylor Gatto. Yep, he's one of my heroes too. And uh, he, he passed away, I think, about a year or two ago. He was a public school teacher his whole career in New York City. 
uh, like 30 years he was a teacher. He won the New York City Teacher of the Year Award. Like several then, times, not even just, I think he won several times. And then he won the New York State Teacher of the Year. And what's interesting, Brittany, is in the very same year where he won that Teacher of the Year at the whole state level, he quit. And he wrote an article in the, in the Wall, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, big national newspaper. And the title of his article was, I quit, I think. <laughs> and he he went on to explain how he loved kids, he loved education, but there are so many problems with schooling, right? That um, that he was actually hurting kids more than he was helping them, and so he wanted to leave uh, traditional schooling and find a different way to help kids. And so our uh, listeners here, those who have read the Tuttle Twins um, and the Education Vacation, are familiar with. Uh, Gatto and a little bit of his story because he's one of the characters featured in the book. Um, but Brittany, when I was married, I read his book, Dumbing Us Down, uh, which talks about a lot of the problems with kind of structured schooling. And that was uh, kind of the initial inspiration for me to say, oh, yeah, like I can looking back on my life, I can see that these are problems. And, and look, I turned out okay. Right. Like that's, that's the thing you always hear. Oh, well I was, I was was in public school and I turned out fine. Well, number one, public school 30 years ago is a lot different than it is now, but also just because we turned out okay, I always wonder how much better could it, could it have been for me? Right. How, like, could I have started out as kind of an entrepreneur earlier on? Could I have found my life path earlier on? What opportunities have I missed, right? Because I was stuck sitting in the classroom. Maybe, Brittany, I'm going to throw it back to you. But, but before I do, uh, I want to answer your question. Your, your question here for us is, um, is there one right way for someone to get educated? And I'm actually going to answer for purposes of our discussion, and I'd love to get your response. I'm going to say the answer is yes. There is one right way, not so much in the sense of public schooling versus homeschooling versus private schooling, but more in the sense that the right way for someone to get educated is to be self-educated. That when we sit in a classroom and we're forced to learn certain things, whether it's a private school, whether it's a public school, or even some homeschools, when kids are compelled to learn things, they do not retain that information the same way they do if they themselves are curious about it, they're interested in it, they want to learn it. And so I think that all true learning is self-education. We have to be in a mindset where we are eager to gain that information and then retain it in our minds, find a way to apply it. And so this can come in public school or private school or homeschool, but we have to, to totally, I think, shift the way that we teach kids and kids have to really have the freedom, I think. So kids, you listening up, mm-hmm. you now got to go talk to your parents, at least uh, on my side. We'll see if Brittany wants to disagree with me or push back at all. But you can say, oh, Connor says I need the freedom to learn what I want to learn <laughs> uh, because I think that's how we really learn in life. We need to have the mental energy and the freedom of time to be curious, to explore our curiosities. It's how we as adults learn. It's how it's how us as adults learn. We don't have to, we're not given a curriculum of here's the things you have to learn. We're curious about something. We'll go look up, you know, an article online. We'll watch a YouTube video. We'll read a book. Um, why don't we give our kids the same opportunity that we have as adults, because we know it works, we need to let them do it. So Brittany, push back. Is there anything there that you disagree with? The only thing I would say is, and I'll go back to your chip analogy, because I think that there are many good kinds of chips, but I, I do think there is one 
bad kind of chip, and that's salt and vinegar. It's terrible. So <laughs> oh, it. I agree. Oh. <laughs> but I think public school is kind of the salt and vinegar chip <laughs> of education. And now, obviously, that is not a shot at people who have to go to public school. We both went to public school, and a, a lot of times that's just the only option or that's the option available. Nor um, is that a shot at the teachers in, involved no, in the schools, not. right? No, yes. And a lot of them are have the best of intentions, right? They don't, they're not going in there trying to keep this broken system. You know, they're not, they're not the bad guys here. That being said, I think that because of the way our system is set up, it is set up to fail. And so while there are some, there are some kids that were very fortunate enough to grow up in areas where their local schools are great. There are so many kids who've had to grow up in neighborhoods where their schools are bad and, and simply nobody really cares for them. So a, a lot of people will make these arguments that, you know, in homeschool, kids get neglected because there's no one checking up on them. I almost think it's the opposite. I think in public school, a lot of kids get get just kind of neglected and left behind because there's so many of them that bureaucracy, as we've talked about before, is kind of its own monster, you know? It gets they so fall big. through the cracks. They fall yeah. through the cracks. And so that, to me, says that we need some sort of education that is personalized. And it's kind of what you said. It's kind of rephrasing what you said is that it needs to be self-directed. So when I want to learn about something, it's because I'm excited about it. I think I've talked about treasure hunts. That's what I call them um, on here before. But when I yeah. get when I want to learn about something, I get so excited about it that I just am like almost like possessed, like I have to learn more. <laughs> but that never happened when I was a student in school because I had to do it, right? Unless there was something where it was like I got to pick a book report on whatever book I wanted to read, I responded better when things were individualized, when things were specific to me. And it's really hard to do that in public school. So I don't want to say public school is necessarily bad, but I do think there are better options. And I think, you know, I what you said, I wish I could have been homeschooled. I can hardly imagine what I would have become, you know, if I had even more opportunities available to me. So I wrote a book a few years ago that I'll encourage the parents uh, listening to look into. It's called Passion Driven Education. Uh, the foreword of it was actually written by John Taylor Gatto, which was really fun for me. And uh, so in this book, I talk about how uh, I approach education with my kids. And it's what we've just been talking about, finding ways to leverage a child's passion, what, a, what the kids are interested in, and then using that passion to build a little curriculum and find ways to you know, teach them English or work in some history or use math concepts, all using, you know, My Little Ponies or Angry Birds or Pokemon or Minecraft or horses or whatever the kids are interested in. So it's a, it's a really more natural and authentic way to learn because it allows kids to learn what they're genuinely interested in. And, uh, you know, Brittany, I remember when I uh, was younger, I wanted to start a little web development business. That's what I did before moving into uh, you know, politics and, and everything that I do now. And to learn web development, you know, I had to learn math, I had to learn writing, you know, I had to learn programming and some basic science and, and, and all kinds of things. And so I was learning all of these subjects that were kind of connected to what I wanted to do, so that I could learn what I wanted to do, yeah. right? If you want to learn how to like, you know, launch bottle rockets, well, you're going to have to learn a bit of you know, physics, and you're going to have to learn trigonometry, and you're going to have to learn these things. And it's not that you're sitting down in a trigonometry class and flipping through the textbook, hey, someday you'll learn, you'll use this knowledge, kids, right? That That's the traditional schooling method. Uh, but more like project based learning, right? Like your treasure hunts, you find something you're interested in, you're going to learn all the little connected little bits yep. that help you put the puzzle together of, of that, you know, seeking that treasure. That is a really fun way to learn. It's how we do it as adults. And I think it's how uh, the kids need to uh, be given that opportunity as well. Final story before we wrap up, Brittany, and I share it in 
that book, Passion Driven Education. But this, this story has always stayed with me. There's this gal named Erica. And Erica went to public school. I believe it was in New York, as I recall. And this was about a decade ago where she graduated from high school. And she was what's called the valedictorian, which means basically she was like the hardest working student, right? She was, she was top of her class. She got straight A's, worked really hard. So she was uh, given the opportunity to give a speech at graduation. This is kind of a common thing uh, for high school graduations. The valedictorian will kind of say their uh, share their thoughts. She gets up on stage and begins to share how she's terrified for adulthood because she spent every spare second that she had doing extra credit, making sure everything was correct, that she could get straight A's. Her goal was to excel at school. But here she was like the the supreme product of school, right? She had done everything right. She had worked hard. She had risen to the top. You would think if school was designed to prepare us to be good adults, to know what we want to do with our lives, to provide value to other people, right? As we've talked about, to have economic value and know that what you want to contribute to the world, you would think that so the schools would be set up in a way that would help a girl like Erica thrive. And yet she stood up in that speech and talked about how she was terrified, like literally terrified. She's like, I saw every subject, every assignment as the goal. And she said, while my friends would doodle in class to later become an artist, right? Or kids would daydream, look outside to, you know, later, you know, become explorers or whatever. I was just laser focused. And she talked about how she lost a lot of her childhood and she was kind of lost and so that's that's what the parents, we don't want that for our kids. And if the schools, like, look, some people have to send their kids to public school. Some people just have to be in the situation they're in. That's totally fine. We're not here to criticize that at all. Uh, the point is you can make, you know, good things out of a bad situation. There's a silver lining in every cloud. And so uh, for the parents, check out Passion Driven Education. It can be applied in whatever school context you're in. Kids, you would love it if you're not already uh, using it. So tell your parents to go get passion-driven education because when we as kids have the freedom and opportunity to learn the things that we're genuinely interested about, life is better. Life is a lot more fun. Um, so this is a great, uh, great topic and something like, Brittany, you and I keep learning, right? Like yeah. you're, you're still a student. You still go on your treasure hunts, right? <laughs> Even I think even more so as I become an adult. So yes, even more so, right? <laughs> yeah. So this stuff never stops. Um, and so as parents, I think it's important for us to figure out ways that we can give our kids a, a leg up, get them a step ahead. Uh, this has been a great topic. Make sure, guys, that you are subscribed to the the podcast. You can go to tuttletwins.com/podcast. Uh, make sure that you're looking up the show notes page. We will link on this particular episode to Passion Driven Education if you'd like to take a look at it, as well as maybe an essay or two from uh, John Taylor Gatto and some of his books. We can link to those resources for you as well. So TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. Uh, check it out. Brittany, thanks as always, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.